I'm Spencer Levy, and this is The Weekly Take. Whether you're working from home these days or have returned to a traditional place of business, at some point, you've probably asked the question we will address on this show. On this episode, a pair of experienced corporate real estate leaders and one big idea. What's the future of the workplace? Look, great question, and certainly the last year has given us a lot to think about. That's Ann Walker from New York. Ann runs the global real estate portfolio for Bank of America, along with a variety of other areas, including the bank's Operational Excellence Initiative, all with an eye on how the bank is positioned for the future. So I think that COVID, again, is giving us some opportunities to rethink some things and even think about space we don't even own as a corporation as potentially space that could help us in a, in a pinch. And that's Karen Elzey, Executive Managing Director of CBRE's Global Workplace Solutions. Based in Chicago and working with corporate clients around the world, Karen advises on office strategies with COVID and its impact front and center. We'll take a wide-ranging view of the latest thinking around office real estate around the world. What's happening now in the midst of the pandemic, especially now that the vaccine rollout is underway, and what we might expect over the next decade. We'll talk about co-working and flexible space, safety and wellness, and the role of real estate in the building of corporate culture, and more. Coming up, a conversation about changes, challenges, and opportunities in the workplace of the future. That's right now on The Weekly Take. Welcome to The Weekly Take. And this week, we're going to be talking about the future of work with two tremendous thought leaders and leaders in this sector. First, we're joined by Ann Walker, the Global Real Estate and Strategic Initiatives Head at Bank of America. Ann, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Spencer. And then we are joined by Karen Elzey an executive managing director of CBRE Global Workplace Solutions and longtime friend and colleague of mine. Karen, thank you for joining. Thanks for having me, Spencer. So, Ann, let's start with the next 10 years. Clearly, the last year uh, has changed a lot. Maybe it's changed everything in certain ways. And so I just want to start big picture. What is Bank of America trying to do from a real estate perspective to best position the bank and its real estate and its employees for the next 10 years? Certainly, the last year has given us a lot to think about. But for the last 10 years, if you step back and you think about what our company's been focused on, we have been focused on responsible growth. So our real estate strategy needs to support that, and that's what we've been looking to do. Um, our approaches, I think of it as threefold. We identify the local markets with the businesses, of course, which position us to deliver for our clients and customers. We then look to bring our businesses together in co-locations, and that's really important. Um, it serves two purposes from a strategic perspective. It's going to make us most effective because our teammates get to know each other and we can think about the clients and customers holistically. And then obviously it's more efficient, right? If you think about trying to optimize occupancy, utilization rates, um, if we can do that in, in space together, that's going to be more efficient. And then lastly is being a great place to work for our teammates. And so that means we've got to think about where do we want to be to recruit the right diverse talent. It means we've got to think about what's the most effective design layout for collaboration, for productivity. So what does that meant in terms of that being our approach? It means that, and it started about eight, 10 years ago, where we started to consolidate, right-size the portfolio and bring the teams together. We were in 130 million square feet uh, back in 2010. We're at 76 million square feet today. And we've got plans to keep optimizing. 
We're still in 8,600 buildings. That's in about 90 larger U.S. markets, plus many smaller ones, given our retail branch footprint, and 37 countries overseas. And what we do is we basically are always looking at opportunities based on lease end dates to think about that consolidation strategy. And that, even with COVID, that's not changing, right? We still have more work to do. And what I would say is changing is that we can avail ourselves of more flexibility and the pace of implementing that strategy. So if before COVID, we were always thinking about needing space for every individual at every moment, we've learned at COVID, while it's not an ideal posture, we can work from home. And so on an interim basis, I think COVID is definitely giving us the flexibility to try to manage that consolidation more aggressively. So that's, that's how we're thinking about it right now. Karen, I'd like to get your perspective on that. How does what Anne suggested match with what some of our other large clients are suggesting? Well, I loved hearing Anne's comments and Spencer, I'll say, you know, quite consistent overall. Um, the right place to start the conversation, as Anne did, was really with the business. What's the strategy? What are you trying to accomplish? And then what does that tell you about the role that space needs to play to support that strategy? So I think this has been a remarkable time in having corporations step back and really rethink the relationship between business strategy and the workforce, their customers, how they reach them, and then how does real estate support all of that. So, Anne, I want to talk about flexibility. You talked about not only the reduction in your overall space uh, size, and I presume that's with respect to permanent long-term lease space, but you also talked about using more flex space. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. On the co-working space with, you know, another occupier in the premises, look, it's certainly an interesting, can be an interesting part of a portfolio and something you certainly want to consider and have in the mix of, of opportunities or options. At the end of the day for the bank, it hasn't been a major part of our portfolio. We've used it just in a more limited fashion where we've really needed it um, as a transition to bridge a gap perhaps in between more permanent Bank of America only locations. But really, you know, when we do pick that we wanna be in a location, we're willing to sign up for a certain period of time. We know we're gonna be there and we're very comfortable with it being being our space. Albeit these days, you might wanna have, you know, more flexibility with, with your leases, just given the backdrop and some of the unknowns out there. I also think information security is a really important part of considering the co-working type options that are out there. Of course, they can work very closely with one on getting themselves protected in the right place, but it's probably one of the most important areas of the bank. And we invest a very significant amount of money to make sure we've got the right talent and the right capabilities there. And I just think our having our locations be in, in our control the most is probably an important factor there. As for flex space and other types of considerations on that front, we certainly have moved to uh, more sort of space modernization type layouts that provide more flexibility in terms of how you're using the space. And we're thinking about right now, how do we take that a step further? How can we build spaces that are more agile? And of course, you can always drop in a wall or do something like that. But I think as we're coming out of COVID and we know coming together and collaboration has been the big gap in COVID, the ability to do it together physically, I think thinking about how your design can provide even more agility and being able to pivot from offices to trading desk type layouts to smaller conference room, bigger conference rooms, like anything that can avail you of 
being able to support teams in different formats uh, and forums, I think is really important. So Karen, I'd like to get your uh, point of view on this, specifically because our survey recently said that having more flex space in the building may be the number one amenity for our occupiers. Karen, what's your point of view? You know, I think of it as almost a transformable workplace where you have some degrees of flexibility in how you configure it and you're not as bound by you know, the more rigid, highly cellularized environments that are highly dedicated that you just don't give you that much latitude. So I think, Spencer, it's both in the space itself and then I think also the policies you put in place around how that space is used is what affords the most flexibility for occupiers within their envelope. And then we do have a lot of clients looking at the third-party flex spaces where their business strategy uh, supports that and it makes sense for them. So for companies for whom the third-party flex spaces do work, um, it's number one because it's, it's very consistent with their overall business strategy. And so I think that COVID, again, is giving us some opportunities to rethink some things and even think about space we don't even own as a corporation as potentially space that could help us in a hunch. So I, I do see that playing out somewhat in a, a pretty interesting way. And I want to turn to you on the work from home uh, angle. I would like to know how you address the work from home in light of culture, in light of security, in light of maybe even insurance issues. Yeah. First of all, I would just say we were able to pivot to a work from home posture in in amazing in amazing fashion, probably even more effectively than leaders expected. We currently have roughly 185,000 of our roughly 212,000 employees working from home. Around the world, we frankly transitioned any role that could be virtual to virtual and in very short order. That meant we procured or delivered 90,000 laptops and Chromebooks. And this is another sort of fun fact. In India, we delivered to individuals over 21,000 small uh, UPS or uninterruptible power supplies. I mean, you can imagine some of the challenges there, but it was critical we did it because the infrastructure there is completely different than the infrastructure in other parts of the world. We are working incredibly well um, in this posture. And I would say have been doubling down in certain areas that we've needed to, but everyone's risen to the occasion. We have hundreds of virtual meetings every single day. The leadership team has doubled down on all of their routines, meaning you know quarterly town halls go to monthly town halls, monthly meetings go to weekly meetings, if not twice a week. So just across the board, raising the bar and the engagement and doing things that are just part of our culture in a crisis, right? You're only as good as the strength of your culture. So all of that has led, you know, working from home be effective and be possible. But we are looking forward to getting people back into the office because, you know, yes, on the margin, you have that much better, probably information security. You have that much better collaboration. You have that much better engagement, that much better supervision if you're together in the office place. Spencer, this is one of my favorite topics and my favorite quote on the topic of culture is that culture eats strategy for lunch. So if you don't get that piece right, you've got some really big problems indeed. Now, the problem with culture is that it's amorphous, it's hard to define, but I think of it really simply, it's your answer to the question of why should someone want to work for us? And so then you've 
got to think about a lot of things that go into that equation. And once again, it's probably the physical work environment may not be the first thing that pops into people's minds. What they're going to think about is the people, the connectivity. What can I learn? Can I advance my career? Last time I checked, no matter how brilliant the workplace was laid out, it didn't advance careers. Being around other people, being successful with clients advances careers. So I, I do think, again, the pandemic has given us this really kind of profound moment to rethink what it is we do at work and what it is that matters and makes our various organizations click. So it's just a reality that we probably won't go quite back to exactly what we had before, but I'm a big fan of not taking for granted the, the profound role that some of that in-person plays. Um, again, not, not just from the workplace lens, but from the, the corporate performance, the human connectivity, the culture lens. I think that's a, a very, very important part of this question as we go forward. Yeah, I'd say just one last point is, I think about the racial injustice um, events that unfolded in 2020. And many teammates, you could just tell, were craving to be in person. And we have had a great um, tradition at Bank of America of what we call courageous conversations, or we call them let's get real, and having the physical space to be together, to be, you know, walking around the office and then seeing someone, you know, maybe shoulders slumped over and, and clearly feeling it. And you don't have that, right, in COVID. And so I think that the office place, I think, is expected to, to serve a part of um, helping people get through events like that. So Karen, I think that I want to follow up on the social angle because uh, I talk on the capital market side a lot about environmental, social, and governance, and how that is squarely on the rise on the capital market side, the buying and selling of real estate. And it's clearly part of the Bank of America culture, clearly part of our culture. Uh, but my question for you, Karen, is when we speak to our large occupiers about these ESG issues, uh, we talk a lot about the sustainability side, the E side. I want to talk about the S side, uh, which Ann brought up. How much is that changing the thinking of our occupiers in where they locate, configuration of space or otherwise? Well, I'm going to address this by sharing an anecdote, Spencer, that I thought was really, really interesting. Um, I, was, I was on a call with a very large technology company and, and we were, you know, as we're doing with a lot of clients right now, just sort of, you know, opining on the future of, you know, the large urban uh, presence and what that all means. And uh, this particular company said, you know, for us, we are so focused on diverse talent that we will be in urban areas. We will stay in the city because that is where we're going to uh, look for, develop, invest in that talent. And I thought that was just a, a very interesting perspective, Spencer, one that I, I had not heard where kind of the real estate and the location and the bet on the urban uh, centers was was made from that perspective. And it was just very heartening, right, to hear it being thought about in that way. So, Anne, I think Karen brought up a, a lot of great points and one about uh, an angle actually I hadn't thought about because I always think about the big cities as a environment to bring in all different types of talent, but being squarely on the diversity angle of being another reason why the big cities uh, will always be uh, perhaps most attractive to, to big organizations. And what's your point of view on the future of big cities? And 
uh, how does Bank of America see the future and will act upon it? I think it's just too early to declare something. Um, we will go back to, you know, where are we best positioned to deliver for the clients and customers? So the business strategy, as well as being a great place to work. And therefore, as I mentioned at the very beginning, you know, having access to, as Kara noted, you know, diverse talent. Um, so I think the urban cities are still going to be very much a part of our equation. We really just have to meet the needs of the various functions. Well, it's really because fulfilling that diverse population is what's going to let you connect with your clients and customers the most, right? Because, um, for example, we need Spanish-speaking uh, teammates because we have so many Spanish-speaking clients. Um, and so things naturally align so well between the reflection of your of your people, your employees, and the reflection of your clients and customers. So we're going to go where we need to, to be able to deliver on that front. Um, and when I said earlier, you know, responsible growth, and a part of that is sustainable growth, underlying sustainable growth for us is ESG. And that's been very consistent over the last 10 years. Um, and definitely informs our real estate strategy. Karen, let me turn to you now and getting a little bit more granular at the property level. Because of the rise in the importance of wellness uh, as a uh, criteria for space, uh, for safety and, and otherwise, uh, just walk us through some of the changes we're seeing or our clients are asking for uh, from a technology standpoint, whether it's touchless technology uh, or otherwise, to make sure that that W becomes as important as the ESG, whichever it falls under. Sure. Spencer, we have done some research and our clients do say expense management is, you know, time and again emerges as a top priority. Um, but this year vying for first place was safety, wellness, really putting a focus on the employee. So now the trick will be to strike that balance, right? We are definitely seeing clients move toward activity-based space, i.e. not uh, fully assigned. Well, what you have is a new kind of a rigor and, and, and kind of a reservation approach, a little bit more of a hotel kind of an approach to the work environment so that can be managed. It's pretty granular, so you know who's where, and you don't assign Spencer and Karen to the same space on the same day just in case, right? Think little things like that are having to be thought about. I'd say HVAC is having its moment right now also in people being a lot more aware of, um, of air quality and getting a lot more into detail with uh, their own teams and uh, landlords and owners. Tell me again about that HVAC system. What kind of MERV filtration do we have? We have a much more literate employee population on all these things now going forward than we ever had before. But Anne, in our recent report, The Real Estate Reset, we talk about changes to the design and experience of the workplace. I think Karen touched on a lot of those changes, HVAC and otherwise. I'd love to, for you to just give us a few more examples of some of the things that Bank of America is thinking about uh, from workplace design and, and other mechanisms uh, to tackle uh, wellness in the future. Yeah. So I think a couple things. Um, first, just to you know make sure it's clear up front, um, we're not going to bring people back in size um, until we're on the other side of this vaccine, right? Or on the other side of COVID with the vaccine. So once it's safe to be back, I think to Karen's point, it is still going to be very important that we're giving all the teammates the confidence and the comfort in you know in coming into the workplace. 
Uh, and look, we're doing a couple of things there now, even with the teammates who are in. So Karen, you mentioned an app, right? And we've got a health screening app as do many other companies. Um, and so there, you know, before you come in, you've got to answer a number of questions daily. But then in many locations, um, at our larger administrative and operational sites, as well as um, financial centers, we've now got testing that is being done regularly. Um, and so that was something that was brought in because one, of course, you know, if I'm going into the office, that's a great resource for me to be able to test myself, but it also helps level set across teammates that you're on this level playing field of the person, you know, again, properly socially distanced to the right or properly socially distanced across the room um, has also been tested. And so I think that that was something that we learned from listening that would really help as we as we did work through the early phases of bringing some people back in. In terms of though the space, I think it's interesting on the space modernization, but there's a lot we're piloting. There's a lot we're constantly piloting, testing, and we have an entire um, process set up around that as we think about rolling out new technologies, whether it's the HVAC system in an admin center, whether it's our ATM machines, you know, we want to be making sure it's not just the teammates, but the clients or customers who are who are on our properties are having a safe experience. But I, I think that space modernization is interesting because there are some concerns about the openness when in, in actuality you can benefit from things like cleaning practices that can be done more effectively there, perhaps elsewhere. The other thing to bring up, I would say, is on that, you know, reserving. Um, we, Karen, to your point, we had used uh, technologies primarily around the conference centers, et cetera. And we have now been looking at, you know, and running a pilot on, can we potentially extend that out to, um, to seat reserving? And I think that's something that will um, potentially play an important role in, in people knowing, okay, I've got my seat, I know where I'm going. By the way, it has an added benefit of contact tracing if one was to need that. Again, we're hoping to be back when that's behind us, but there are these wellness benefits from these technologies that if we um, if we use them properly, I think there's some there's some real knock on benefits sort of across the board. Um, but most of it's all about providing our teammates confidence and comfort that you know that we're thinking about them um, and making sure the health and safety standards are met. I think there's another issue with that the, the, the geographic differences in in our approaches to our employees to our workplace. And from your point of view, Anne, how much does your overall strategy change region by region? locally, um, not just today, but moving forward, uh, in part because they're just dealing with the disease better without a vaccine. Look, the company is taking a, a global approach um, in terms of health and safety standards. Now, of course, we have to navigate country by country requirements and local health and safety standards. Um, and in some cases, um, we have got teams, you know, have been in the office longer in certain areas. But what we've done is everywhere, if you're back in the office, you have that six foot social distancing. Everywhere we've got, you know, certain types of cleaning products being used, the testing, the masks. Um, it's a universal standard that is being applied if we have anyone in the office. Um, and what I would also say is it's very agile, meaning we um, as a company had planned an initial set of phasing to bring people back. And when we think we're approaching phase two, suddenly we look at the data and it's very data driven. We have medical board advisors, um, but nothing is done without analysis. It's anything but strict in terms of having the ability to change direction, but it is also um, 
absolutely adhering to certain principles and an approach that you have to do globally. And then we just be agile within it. Well, Karen, let's go back to that comment of universality. What's your point of view on the universality of productivity versus efficiency, Karen, and how it may differ by market? Productivity is about, um, it's not about any one work environment or any one person. It's about how the system that you enable um, your teams and your employees to do their best work, to be the most successful on behalf of the company Um, it's really a matter of how that entire equation works. It's, again, I think a little bit in our industry, we tend to overly focus on the workplace when it's really a much more complex um, and dynamic kind of system that is contributing at the end of the day to that productivity. So the, the, the trick of the real estate executive, I think, as Anne has spoken to so eloquently, it's going to defy a simple answer around standardization. It's going to defy a simple answer about standardizing space or anything like it, it really is going to come down to a granular understanding of what makes your your company tick and most importantly, what makes it successful, effective, and competitive. Everything you're talking about there, Carrot, is really about what's the work that's taking place at the company and how is that done, you know, with the best level of productivity or the most effectively. And for us, you know, one of my other hats being operational excellence, that's what we're always looking to uncover. What's, you know, what's the work that's going on? And so I think with real estate, it's as much about the markets, but um, it's really looking at every function and how do we best support each function where you've got to unpack each function to figure out what's going to position them the best. So Karen, uh, listening to Anne and the, and the very uh, big role she has, not just in real estate, uh, but beyond CCAR and operational excellence, I think it speaks to one key point that uh, we actually had in our 2030 report, uh, the age of responsive real estate that we're now calling the way forward, which is the elevation of the real estate function, role, and importance in the company uh, that used to be uh, reporting uh, at a subsidiary level to finance, then maybe to HR, now almost to a, to a C-suite uh, type of relationship. Do you, th- do you see that as a trend in the industry as an overall, Karen? There's always going to be an element that the real estate and facilities play where it's a factor of production, right? Corporations are not in the business of real estate. They're in the business of, you know, being financial services companies and so forth. That said, I do think that real estate um, must be managed as a strategic asset. I think the expense of it, the inflexibility of it, the role that it plays in contributing to competitive advantage, attracting, retaining top talent, um, enabling the right kind of work to happen in the right way with the right kind of people facing the right kind of customers. I'd love to see the elevation of real estate for many reasons, um, the, you know, the, the financial component, the strategic support, the convergence of all the, the cross-functional collaboration. Um, I, I just think it's a real moment of opportunity. And the last thing I'll say that I find to be fascinating about this COVID moment is as corporations think about what it means to support a hybrid workforce, and Spencer, you touched on this a little bit already, what does that mean? Who owns it? Does it expand the role of what we thought of as the corporate real estate executive? Um, or is it some kind of a new 
entity that is bridging the physical and the digital to create that cohesive experience? I think these are some unanswered questions, but um, thinking about it at that level, all inclusive <laughs> of how you engage all of your stakeholders, uh, that to me is where it starts to ascend into that kind of a, a sea level um, altitude. And I, I think the way that Anne is talking about it and thinking about it probably comes as close to that as I've seen. And I think it's a phenomenal for the bank to have Anne. And I think it starts to set a potential template of how we could begin to think about things differently. Karen, to your point, I mean, it is, we, we can't get to where we need to be as a company with, you know, if I was thinking about real estate standalone without the partnerships that I need, right? So I am on the phone with um, different human resource executives all the time because hand in hand with real estate are the people that you're filling up the buildings with, right? I mean, that's what it's really about is to your point, like it's about how we deliver as a company and it's our people that ultimately deliver. And I'm just one part of that equation. Technology is another critical, you know, asset for the company, another critical resource. So it is definitely part of a partnership approach. And to that end, you know, when COVID um, really got on everyone's radar, it was in a split second that daily 7.30 a.m. daily evening calls were set up a sort of SWAT team with our chief administrative officer, which is who I report to, Andrea Smith and Sherry Bronstein, who's our head of HR, um, and core people that sit underneath the two of them, um, and all of us together driving our strategy and our approach, because you have to be tightly coordinated. Um, and it's been impressive, and it's been uh, never-ending. And Spencer, I, I kind of hope that um, I'll be interested to see if that really um, successful and intense cross-functional collaboration that, that organizations have experienced in COVID is, is maintained or sustained somehow, uh, because I think it, it was a real aha moment for a lot of folks. I mean, we worked the same way, and we just realized how many dots there are to connect, and no one of those groups owns it all. Well, Anne, we began today's conversation talking about how Bank of America looks at real estate for the next 10 years. Uh, we're getting to the end of our podcast now, but I would like to give you the opportunity for any final thoughts, anything you want to emphasize or any final message you'd like to give regarding real estate today and, and moving forward. Look, I think, um, as I said, I, I think we've got a lot still to learn, but there is no doubt our locations, where we are and how we're there um, are a critical part of you know how we're going to deliver on responsible growth. Right now we're working from home. We're doing that extremely effectively, but we are as a company looking forward to getting everyone back in the office um, and we'll be selective and we'll keep on our consolidation, you know, path and journey. Um, so in some ways, you know, rest assured, nothing's changed. And on the other hand, obviously a lot has changed um, and we're going to keep monitoring and pivoting and accelerating and doing what we need to do to help the company. Karen, final thoughts from you. Well, we've talked a lot about work from home, and I heard it described more aptly as we're actually living at work right now. Um, I heard something recently That's where great. people are, are working on average 49, 50 minutes more per day. Um, but people are also, I think, tired. It's kind of starting to get to people. So like Anne, I think we all need to get to that safe point where the vaccine is kicked in. But as that begins to happen... Um, 
I really hope that um, we will see kind of a continuation of this really important conversation and this opportunity to to reinvent some things, to think differently about things, and that we don't just revert to old muscle memory. We have this opportunity, I think, to change not only our companies, but the broader connected ecosystems that we're all a part of. If I can just jump in with one thing, for me personally, you know, I really miss laughing with colleagues more. I was a quick one to get on WebEx because I love seeing people. I've, I listened to a couple of podcasts that were talking about you can't overuse Zoom, overuse WebEx. It gets tiring for people. Um, but for me, I love it because I like to see people's faces. But you've really got to be deliberate in, in everything in life now to, to try to bring out the soft side sometimes of people when you're on these back-to-back calls and working 49, 50 minutes more a day, Karen, as you mentioned. And and uh, I don't think my kids think I'm as funny at home um, as maybe my colleagues do, or maybe maybe they're forced to laugh. But I think just it's just going to be a very welcoming experience to be back in and and be around people that you spend a ton of time with. Um, and so it'll be nice. It'll be nice to get back in there. Well, I think we all agree on that, uh, Anne. And I will uh, also end with a word that Karen used uh, in her final thoughts, which was, notwithstanding the challenges of COVID, this is an opportunity. So opportunity, I think, is a great word to think about uh, as we're looking at the future. So on behalf of The Weekly Take, I hope you enjoyed today's episode on the future of work. And we had two outstanding guests with Ann Walker, the head of global real estate and strategic initiatives at Bank of America. Ann, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Spencer. Thank you, Karen. And Karen, my good friend, longtime colleague, executive managing director at CBRE Global Workplace Solutions. Karen, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Spencer, and thank you, Anne. For our latest insights on the future of work and to read any reports mentioned on this episode, including our latest Flex report, head over to cbre.com slash thewayforward. And as always, for more on The Weekly Take, check out cbre.com slash theweeklytake. Send us your feedback, too. We'd love to hear from you, whether you found us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or another platform. Please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, I'm Spencer Levy. Be smart, be safe, be well.